When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation that I had with Dr. Mary Rensel and Allie Hively. They together have backgrounds in academic medicine and life coaching, and together, their company, Brain Ops Group, helps people optimize brain function and work performance. So in this conversation, we talk about optimizing your brain through many different methods, as well as overall health. We talk about brain health and physical health, nutrition, sleep, emotions, mental health, and how all of those things are interconnected towards proper brain function and brain optimization to manage stress, increase your resilience, and ultimately get the most out of your brain to do your work as well as live your life. So I'll get out of the way and just say, enjoy this conversation with Dr. Mary Rensel and Allie Hively. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show Mary Rensel and Allie Hively. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Eric. Yes, thank you so much. So I'm very excited to talk with you because brain health has actually been something that, you know what, honestly, we've not really talked specifically about that. We've, we recently had an episode with Ariel Garten specifically on meditation, and that is part of brain health. That's part of overall health, too, in some senses as well. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that in terms of brain and body and other health crossover. But Mm -hmm. I I wanted to talk to you because you teach and consult and have experience with not just individuals, but organizations specifically when it comes to brain function and work performance, which is another way of saying productivity. And you have backgrounds in academic medicine and life coaching. And so I wonder if you could tell me why right now in particular – we should be concerned about brain health. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll start. So yeah, thanks. Thanks. I completely agree. And absolutely, we all should be concerned. And we typically are. If you talk to any of your friends, like, wait, I don't know how to get over what just happened with COVID. And I have no idea how to move forward with like reopening life in a regular fashion. And so people are kind of healing from be, having a year of a global pandemic. And then also trying to work through that and care for families and communities. And then also how do you reopen and feel safe and do the best thing for, you know, your work performance, catch up if you have to and support family. And so, yeah, this is unprecedented territory, right? So we're all trying to figure this out as it goes. And then the other issue is that we've seen, even after people have COVID, we've seen some neuropsychiatric consequences of that. So we're seeing more depression, more anxiety, uh, trouble focusing, poor energy. So we even have that layer to it. So we we have a lot of uh, concerns and 
Oh, we're going to need to put a lot of energy toward our brain optimization. That's for sure. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. absolutely. I think, yeah, there's no better time than right now because this is all we have and we've all been through a lot, but at the same time, like there's so much that we can do that can really help to improve where we are right now. If we are feeling that like there's, you know, we need to optimize. We haven't been focusing on brain health. We haven't been giving attention to it because we've just been in that survival state. So now when we understand what actually matters to brain health, which I think this is one of the most important things that we talk about. And Dr. Mary's research really shows like, here's where to put your time and energy And yes, these are things for your organ of your brain. And also they're going to improve your productivity and they're going to make your life better. And also you're going to feel better in your body and your overall health and wellness. And so it's actually beautiful because when you focus on your brain, you're focusing on everything else. And when you're focusing on all those other things, you're actually helping your brain. So yes, it is. (laughs) It is time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and we're going to get into that. We'll talk about, let's see, we'll talk about sleep. We'll talk about Mm-hmm. nutrition and exercise and not just brain health, but emotional health. But before we go into those, I- I'm very curious. I want to leave the pandemic stuff aside, but let's dive into it first and then move on to, you know, making this evergreen and, and realistic and-, and regular for post pandemic people, because eventually we will be there. But in a current and coming out of a pandemic What should we be looking for in terms of signs of having lived in that survival mode for a full year, year and a half? Mm -hmm. Well, the nice thing about the lesson of a global pandemic is that it shows us that we don't have control over everything. It shows us that we do have control over many things. And this is what, uh, you know, life has been narrowed down dramatically during the pandemic. So most of us have realized what is really needed in our lives so that we can live optimally. So for me, it would be, you know, family and friends and healthy food and a safe environment. And I I really don't need, you know, I love jewelry, but I probably don't need all my jewelry. I don't need all my clothes. I don't need all my shoes. You know, you realize like what really does not matter and and what really matters. So I think there's a lot of positives that have come out of this lived experience, especially as such a shared experience between all of us because we all were in this together and that also bonded people in a way that I don't think we may not have the same opportunity because all the time people are going through challenges and there's uncertainties that are coming up to us, you know, in the, in the next, you know, we never know what's coming. So we always have to be prepared and caring for ourselves and supporting ourselves each day. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really narrowed down for me personally, you know, what's really important and then what I can do each day to optimize my brain function so that I can be there for my family and my community and work optimally as well. I think you, you hit it on the head there when you said, you know, and, I mean, we've all heard the saying we're all in this together, even even before mm-hmm. the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We had heard that phrase, especially from High School Musical. But <laughs> um Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Um, Such a good one. <laughs> but but here's the thing. I can't help but think about that phrase and think there's been so much of a polarization in terms of viewpoints and, you know, even politics. And we don't talk about those things here on this show. But I think mm-hmm. maybe for a second we can say maybe part of our brain stress has been all of that stuff going on as well, not just the lockdowns. In other words, the whole context taking into account the entire context of the pandemic, the health issues, the polarization issues, the politics, the difference of opinions, 
the difference of opinions, even in maybe in your own home or with the people that you trust or thought you trusted and all those kinds of things and throwing work in there. I guess what I'm saying is, if I hear you right, one of the best maybe first steps and and hopefully a coping step all throughout this time was being picky or choosy and still maintaining connection with those that are like-minded and drawing support from that. And that's not saying, no, don't talk to other people that have differing opinions, but definitely more so lean in on those that are a support for you. Yeah, I think like always you want to choose your tribe. You want to, it's very important the people that we keep close to us. We know that through medical literature that if, uh, if the people that we keep close to us have healthy behavior, so if they're exercisers and they eat healthy and they prioritize growing and learning, you know, we will do the same more likely. And we actually live longer if we have a healthy network around us. So, you know, politics aside, you know, the people's behaviors that are, are around us that we keep around us really matter for our health and well-being. And, you know, Eric, like we, we hear about that with work, like grow your network, you know, you have to grow your network. And it's always sounds kind of dry, like it's a sheet you have to check off, but it really matters for our well-being or the people that we keep around us. And one experience that Ali and I have had is, you know, through this is we've been able to talk to people around the world about brain resiliency and brain optimization. And so it's actually grown our network dramatically during this time when we're all locked in our homes or locked in our you know neighborhoods. So there's been positives, and, but I do think we always have to be intentional, right? We don't, we can't leave things to chance on who we keep with us and who we talk to day to day and what we're reading and what activities we take. So, you know, being intentional is paramount. Yeah. And to speak to your point about the stress, like the stress that has been induced universally and then the stress that has been applied, like you said, with everyone having different viewpoints then it really has pushed us to the max as far as like in that survival mode. Right. But at the same time, being able to then be in that stress through connection is, has also brought us together. So yeah. And I mean, so much of it's perspective, how you're going to kind of review in your mind what you've been through and how you're going to take what this experience has been for you and move forward and what you can do now that you're coming out of it and like how you can take action to now hopefully you maybe have gotten a little more clear on where you want to spend some time and attention and what things you can let go of a little bit more. And so you can then take that and run with it toward the right direction of optimizing, you know, your productivity, your life beyond your to-do list, you know, in, in how you're showing up in the world. I definitely want to jump in to talking about all the different physical aspects and vice versa of brain health, physical health, and all of that, all those different cool little pieces that we can go to. But one more pandemic-related piece occurs to me, which is the amount of screen time and remote working and remote schooling, especially when it comes to our kids' brain health. I thought maybe can you speak to that first before we go off into other subjects? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So obviously that's really been a concern. I mean, it's been right. Like we talked about, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time because it does keep us connected. It kept me connected to my patients and family members, et cetera. Um, My kids connected to their school and their friends, but not always in the way we wanted. But, you know, it was what we had. And I was super grateful to be able to kind of check in on a lot of my patients during that time through that, that way. 
but yeah, so, you know, brains, the, the research suggests that brains, you know, we're scanning each other and we are like emotions are contagious. So we try to read each other's emotions without even consciously thinking about it. And it happens in, you know, an eighth of a second. So it's not even something we think about or can control. But our brain is always kind of scanning the other person. It's hard to pick up the cues over the screen, you know, so it's more tiring to stare at screens, you know, people on screens because we're missing reading the body language and reading the emotions coming off that person. So it is, it is more exhausting. I, that was a part of it that I couldn't really figure out myself personally, working on a computer all day as a doc, that usually wasn't my way. And seeing my patients all day on, on screens, I was like, why is this tiring? I'm not even going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. You know. So finally, a researcher did a study that made sense to me that they show that it's just as your brain is reaching and reaching and searching. And so it's actually doing more work. You know. So it is what it is. And it helped us. Um, but I think like anything, we want to moderate it if we can now that the world's opening up again. And even pre-pandemic, we were trying to keep an eye on too mm-hmm. much too much screen time for us and for kids and trying to, you know, weather permitting, get outside, spend time mm-hmm. in nature and and all of that. And and that stuff becomes cliche to a point, but it also is a, hey, you know what? If you haven't thought about that in a while, you need to do a check on yourself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the recommendation for kids is that they move for three hours a day and it was really hard. You know, it'd be very physical three hours a day at least. And for adults an hour a day. Um, so a lot of people were on the screen the whole day, you know, just sitting there nine to five and then exhausted and not moving. Um, so, yeah, it is time to be attentional. I agree with you. So kind of transitioning over, although this is still pandemic related, is sleep and the effects on the brain. We've had episodes on sleep a while ago. It's been a while, though, since we've talked about it. And we never specifically talked about sleep in regards to brain health Obviously, we all know we should be getting sleep, some more than others, and there's varying scenarios here in terms of how we go about that. But can you maybe stress the importance of sleep and then talk about what are some of the ways that we can get better sleep for the sake of brain health? Right. Yeah, there's been some really interesting studies coming out about brain health and sleep. And we know that our sleep helps our cognition, helps our higher level thinking, It helps us regulate our moods for the next day and it helps us enhance our physical recovery. So it has to do with all of those parts, you know, our our thinking, our creativity, how productive we are at work, how we can focus, how we will regulate our emotions in those meetings and how we can handle things and even our perception. You know, really one of my favorite studies is a functional MRI study, a special MRI where they're assessing, you know, the areas of the brain that are lit up in certain areas doing certain activities. And while looking at emotional faces, if people were sleep deprived, they always saw anger more often um, than if they were well rested. They didn't see that level of anger in the same faces. So it's it, it changes our perception in the world when you say like coming through the pandemic, you know, certain political views are bad or evil. If you try, if you try then to look at the person that's saying that rather than just their politics, sometimes that can help. Uh, so sleep is important for all of those things, our work productivity, our focus, emotional regulation, and even physical recovery. It's been shown in high level athletes that if you have poor sleep and we know that I'm sure all of us have experienced that you get a poor sleep, you just don't feel good. You don't feel like doing much. You don't have the energy, physical energy abilities that you generally would. And so, yeah, it matters for all those reasons. And then Allie, you can give us some tips. On yeah, sleep. Absolutely. I mean, the the benefits of sleep, of course, are so huge. I think sometimes when people aren't sleeping well or they aren't in a good routine and with, you know, just the craziness in routine, sometimes we've gotten out of some things that worked really well. So bringing that back in having a really solid evening routine, really 
almost treating yourself like a kid or like a baby where you're kind of doing the same thing each night, whether it's have a cup of tea, read your book, kind of set the tone. We talk a lot about how environment matters. So if you're going into your room to get a good night's sleep and you have the TV on when you fall asleep, maybe a light on, there's someone doing something else, all these things really negatively impact your sleep. And so having that understanding of how much it matters, really setting up your whole day and your whole evening to help to make it easy to go to sleep and hopefully stay sleeping. Another thing that happens, I feel like with people that's really common is they wake up in the middle of the night and then it's like you turn to a screen or if you keep your phone right next to you, then that is a huge disruptor because it's kind of just there tempting you, you know, you can zone out. And so recognizing that if you are someone right now that's waking up in the middle of the night, having some tools or strategies that can help you to go back to sleep keeping a notebook next to your bed so that you can write down any of those thoughts that maybe have woken you up that are stress related or that are anxiety, things you don't want to forget, or having some headphones next to your bed to put on a guided meditation or you know some quiet music. The research says, and Mary shares that if you find yourself laying there awake and you've tried you know the meditation and you've tried the journal, then getting up and almost like resetting yourself, getting up and doing something non-screen related and then trying again, is it 30 to 45 minutes, Mary, that mm-hmm. to lay back down and like go back to sleep. So I think it becomes a question of like, what are you doing that is going to help you get good sleep more easily? And what are you doing that's actually really hurting your ability to get good rest? Because you know that it matters in literally every aspect of your life. So make it easy to do it. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you enjoy Beyond the To-Do List, I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans. I'm Sarah Hart Unger, the host of Best Laid Plans, a podcast devoted to all things planning and planning adjacent. I talk about everything from paper planner reviews to deep dives into all things productivity from keeping track of goals and tasks to fitting in your true priorities and reducing the stress around planning and organizing across different areas of life. I am a practicing physician and mother of three, so I have a lot going on in my own life and am intimately familiar with the time constraints that impact us all. And I love sharing my own productivity strategies and learning from others who have their own ideas to share. I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans, available on all podcast platforms, or visit my website, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X dot com to learn more. I'm going to use a personal example here. Last night, I did not get great sleep, but I didn't get a horrible night's sleep. I went to bed 
I was in bed before 10, was asleep by about 10.30. I do sleep tracking on my Apple Watch, so I can kind of tell what goes on here, and, and that helps me. Although there is also some people who w- will not do sleep tracking for the sake of they'll look at the data and feel like it defeats them. So you got to be aware of that. But woke up at midnight, essentially. So I went through kind of one sleep cycle, and as I was in lighter sleep, woke up, and thought, okay, I'll, I'll use the restroom, I'll get up, I'll reset, lay back down. As I was laying back down, I said to myself, I don't know if this is going to work. And so what I have done is gone to a downstairs basement, very comfortable couch where there's a pillow and a weighted blanket, and I'll use that, and it's cooler. So I don't like having to default to that, but is can you poke holes in that? Is that I mean, I, I think it needs to be an exception, not the rule, but am, am I doing something wrong here, in other words? Yeah, and it you know, the mindset is really powerful, right? So if you tell yourself, look, I sleep in this bed most nights, and I do fine in this bed, and you say, look, out of the last month, I only had to go to the basement once, so I don't have to go to the basement all the time. You know, so you have to kind of look at the data sometimes and take the emotions out of it. Like it's because sometimes we start to panic. Like we know we're, our day is going to be ruined if we don't sleep and we're looking for a solution. But if you look at your success levels, you say, you know, I've, I've done well. I, and just maybe there's small things to tweak in your environment. Like maybe the clock is too bright or, you know, I've seen a lot of phone chargers with lights on them. They drive me crazy too. And I said, like, get those out. There's not in the bedroom. They have lights like that little light. My husband will say that little light. Yes, that little light is bothering me. (laughs) So you have to sometimes it's little things. And like you mentioned, a cool room and coolness really matters. The body wakes up in heat. And so it's if the bed sheets are not the right material or the PJs are too hot or there's too many blankets, people will wake up. So you need to have a cool environment to sleep in. The the body likes that. That keeps them in a keeps the body in a sleep state. It tends to get warmer, you know, like 6 to 7 a.m. when people are waking up. The body naturally does that. Yeah. So I think there's little tips and, and tricks. And they're actually psychologists. This is what they do is they help people figure out these little things and where your mind is kind of, you know, throwing up hurdles for you to have a good night's sleep. Um, yeah, there's a lot of little tricks to sleeping. It's amazing because it's so important. It's nothing to be messed with. Yeah. So, you know, you do what you need, but just look at your success rate in the, and if you could sleep in the bed and if it's not high, then you, you look at what else, you know, what else can be tweaked in that environment to make it more successful. Maybe becoming more stringent with the evening routine and even the morning routine morning mm-hmm. and sending it yeah. back around again, that loop of doing mm-hmm. that. Yes. And, and one of the things actually so to bring up sleep tracking again, one of the things that I've noticed is I get better and longer and deeper sleep days that I exercise and most yeah, days absolutely. I'm exercising. So mm-hmm. that does tie into it as well. You know, and we'll go to exercise in a little bit. But one other thing I can't help but think of a friend of mine said this so clearly to me and it, it latched on in my head is instead of counting sheep, he'll count the wolves when he wakes up, you know, as he tries to go to sleep. It's that the worries and I couldn't help but think, yeah, I could identify with that immediately. And I thought to myself, how do you get away from doing that? How do you work on some of that because again this is all interchangeable Absolutely. as a mm-hmm. i mean when, i know we're talking brain health but we're talking like whole being health really Lifestyle. overall yeah mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um i guess i'm saying like i know journaling can help i know that you know actually being aware of your thoughts again going back to meditation dealing mm-hmm. with those then journaling them john acuff's book called soundtracks is all about the thoughts in your head and how to proactively act on dealing with those. And so it's almost like the the second level or layer dealing with the meditation thoughts that come up. 
but yeah, dealing with, I mean, what would you say in terms of exercise, I guess? Let's go there. Yeah. So exercise has been shown to release certain chemicals from the muscles that then help your brain, your nerves kind of have better sleep that night. So your experience is exactly what the literature suggests as well, is that exercise is helpful for those reasons. Um, exercise also helps us emotionally regulate so we don't feel so anxious or stressed. And so that also helps for a good night's sleep. Um, we don't want to exercise right before bed. That's, you know, one of the rules is, um, you know, not to exercise a couple hours be- right before bed because that really will get some neurochemicals rubbed up that you don't want in the sleep cycle. So definitely not that, you know, not late, late at night. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's all in all a really positive tool for, to enhance your sleep. Exercise for me has been a huge help in terms of adding in, again, that deeper sleep, also doing the homework of I don't want to say just emotional health, although those thoughts are tied into emotional health. And, mm-hmm. you know, people that need to do counseling, we all should be doing some amount of counseling, I think, in, in general, more so mm-hmm. some more than others. But we all should get to that point of saying, no, it's acceptable and we should be doing that. What about uh, I mean, we talked about physical, the physical, specific physical side of things with exercise a bit here. How does nutrition play into brain health? Yeah. So, you know, our brain isn't that big. It's a couple pounds, but it's metabolically super active. So it takes about a fifth of all of our calories, even though it's so small. And that's because the nerves, we have, you know, billions of nerves that make up the brain and they're always active. So even when we're kind of chilling back on the couch or falling asleep, our brain is active. So it, it demands really a lot of nutrition 24 hours a day. So we need to give it what it needs. And also part of the brain nutritional needs is good, healthy fat. So a lot of times we think we shouldn't have any kind of fat, but the brain, the nerves are actually wrapped in something called myelin, which is made of a lot of kind of cholesterols and fats. And so our, you know, our body does need healthy fats. I mean, we don't need a lot of them, but we need some of them. And Al, you could talk about how, try to, how do you optimize good nutrition? Yeah, absolutely. I think start where you are, start to become really aware of how many vegetables you're eating on a regular basis, how much healthy fat we're talking olive oils, fat from fish and nuts and avocado and those those really good healthy fats for your body. Start to become aware of when and how frequently you are treating yourself well as far as nutrition goes and and even through like a food journal for a few days or by really bringing that attention to noticing what you're doing, not just what you think you're doing and understanding that you may have focused on nutrition in the past for like body or body composition and understanding that next level meaning of like, this is actually for your optimization of your brain and your health and really all the parts of you and giving yourself what you need rather than depriving yourself to, you know, put yourself into a type of restriction mode. And so I think becoming super aware about eating for optimization can also take some of the pressure off of nutrition. There's a million ways to eat well. There's a million diets out there. And ultimately, they all, including what Mary says about what we need for our brain, they all have to do with vegetables and lean protein and healthy fats and getting those whole food carbs. So getting back to the basics when it comes to nutrition and really fueling yourself from that perspective is going to be the best for optimizing your brain as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What about, I know that that's the proactive side of things in terms of what we want to intake. What about what we don't want to intake? 
Well, and I think like Allie mentioned, you know, with a child, when a child's sleep deprived, it's really obvious. It's not a question or I, you know, I, I have four children. So around the holidays when my kids would eat too much sugar, it was very obvious. <laughs> like This is not the normal kid. You know, this is the kid. This is what they look like on too much sugar. Adults are similar in that, you know, so we, we do see that our behaviors change, our emotional regulation changes according to what foods we eat or don't eat. And a lot of that is related to sugar content. Um, so yeah, whole foods, I would say when people say, I don't know what to do, it's just like, but don't eat boxes and bags of things and eat whole foods, eat foods. You know what they are. You could tell what they are. You know, a potato, you know, a beet, you know, celery. And so that's an easy way to start is just look at your pantry. Is it a lot of boxes and bags or, you know, your fridge is full of fruits and veggies. You know, that's a nice, nice way to start uh, because they don't tend to have a lot of added sugars. So you wouldn't really have to worry so much about the sugars if you ate whole foods. Yeah. And with that, to speak to that, that's, that's sometimes easier. I mean, of course it's simple. It's not always easy. So I think, Mm -hmm. but really focusing on the filling up piece. And this is what I work with a lot of, especially women who've been on diets and I mean, men too, as well, just like we have been in that restriction and like, what can I not have? What can I not have? But if you really fill up on foods that you can have, then your brain is more satisfied. If you're eating those healthy foods, your body is more satisfied. It's sending those signals of like, Hey, we're not starving. We, we can have, you know, we can be satisfied and enjoy this. And then all of a sudden the things that you don't want to eat can fall away a little bit because you're putting your attention, you're putting your intention and attention and energy on filling up, which is just overall such a more fulfilling experience than that restriction of like, what should I not have? What should I now have? So if you are kind of in that place, then notice first on like, okay, am I checking all these boxes of what I, should be eating. And once you are notice, like you may, you have less space and less interest for those things that you shouldn't be eating that are higher sugar and processed and things like that. I can definitely attest to that being my experience when I've eaten or fueled my body. Like you were talking about earlier, when I've been intentional about fueling properly or optimizing those things that aren't optimizing for myself, start to fade away and fall away. And I, I stop desiring them as much. Exactly. Yes. The messages are so huge. The messages that are inside, like your physiological messages that are happening, but then also the mental messages of like, look, I can have this giant plate of food. This is really enjoyable. It tastes good. That's one thing I think too, if you're trying to move more toward a healthier diet, making food taste good. That doesn't mean eating, you know, cucumbers out of a Ziploc bag. It means like having really good, hearty foods that are yummy and fill you up, they can still be that whole food base. So you feel like you are taking good care of yourself and you feel like you're not in that desperation place or that deprived place, which then makes you crave sugar. And when you are eating those healthy fats and you're feeling more satisfied, your desire for sugar and your energy is more stable. So you're not looking for that like quick fix. So it can help as well. Yeah. Yeah. What about, I mean, we, we've all heard of, ooh, I'm going to do a detox. Like, well, that some people think about getting the toxins out of your body. But what about the effect of, you know, toxins? I mean, sugar can possibly be categorized as one of those things. We were talking about that. What about, what What are the effects? Like, to, to, to kind of maybe scare some people into, hey, wait, you probably should cut some of this stuff out. But maybe, I think you're saying, go the healthier route of including the healthy stuff first, which will then reinforce and push out some of the the bad stuff. But what are some of the toxin, you know, side effects, in other words? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, when we think of brain toxin, you know, neuroimmunologically, we think, you know, stress is a big one. So chronic stress is actually like an unsustainable 
toxin, really, because of the neurochemicals that it kicks up. So something has to be done. Like you said, a lot of folks have to work with a professional, you know, get some new stress management tools. That's incredibly imperative. You know, poor sleep is literally a toxin. <laughs> you know, it really hurts the brain. It doesn't give the brain what it needs. That's time when the brain heals. Mm. Um, some other brain toxin, nicotine, because it constricts blood flow to the brain and the brain demands a lot of blood flow like we were talking about. It needs a lot of calories. So the blood has to bring in a lot of good nutrition. And excessive alcohol is also a brain toxin. So there's, you know, some recommendations on on how much alcohol to drink. So people should, you know, talk to their primary care doc about that. What's what's a, what's a normal range and what's an excessive range, especially during COVID. A lot of people have turned to that as a coping tool. And now that, you know, it lasted so long, I think a lot of people have found other coping tools. But, you know, that's something just to know, like what is excessive alcohol? It's surprisingly little. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I will insert here that my personal experience with that is, as I have all but cut out alcohol at this point just because I didn't like that. And I wasn't in no way. Am I like a teetotaler and like would just, you know, and, and would say no, no, none at all. But at at the same time, I wasn't excessive either, but I did find that over the course of the last year, the increase was there and I didn't like it. And I was, and it wasn't, it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't coping. It wasn't helping me cope. So I just said, let's just get rid of it. And I do feel, I mean, overall, I think I overall physically at least feel better without it. And so I've just been kind of keeping it away. So. Right. Right. Again, it's going toward the positives. You know, if you're, if you think you're thirsty or you think you want something, you know, go with something that has um, some substance to it. Some, you know, maybe they're hungry. Maybe they need a nap. Maybe they, you know, it's not always what you think is you need alcohol. Sometimes you just need to sit and relax a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to pivot here a little bit. A lot of what we've talked about may not be new for many people. Some of this is common sense. Some of this is you've heard it in bits and pieces, maybe not in this cumulative way of talking about brain health, sleep, exercise, nutrition, emotional health, even connecting with others in order to have the brain be healthy and and then in turn the body and then in turn the brain, you know, it goes back and forth. It's a, it's a, mm-hmm. uh, a system. But I think in terms of spinning this into a productivity side of things, we talked about routines earlier. Those were some of the biggest things that fell apart recently for some people. There's been this time blindness or choice blindness and just the elasticity of time and an abundance of options. I can do any and everything and also nothing at the same time. And so how do we move from having been in that to starting to, with small increments, move back out of that overwhelm and into yes. starting to make proper choices again in terms of all these aspects, it can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I love to, yeah, I love to learn like the science of habits, like what really matters and why do the, why do brains like habits? Um, so a lot of times we'll hear about our amygdala and fear and how our brain doesn't want us to do anything new. It wants us to keep things the same because it needs more energy to learn something new. But really there's ways that we can just kind of, change that a little bit and and go to more positive uh, neural state in the brain 
by, you know, gratitude, thinking of someone that helped you, like get out of fear. And there's ways we can adjust that, you know, and go out in nature, like you said, and and really turn on some other senses to try to get out of anxiety and fear. Because when we do get out of our fear state, we become more creative. And that's where we have our deeper thoughts and more interesting thoughts for work. And our creativity is way tuned up. So, you know, we have to, number one, know if we want to make a change, we have to get our kind of neural state, our nerves in a good state through more positive emotions. And those are ways to kind of, you know, adjust that a bit, you know, so it might be, you know, walk in the woods, seeing a a friend safely, you know, um, just being grateful or thinking about somebody that helped you over your life, you know, in in grade school, in high school, in college, in in young adulthood, you know, who, who really made a difference in your life, send them a note, like people think those don't matter, but they do kind of change our thinking level in our brain so that we can establish new habits. What do you think, Al? So how can, how else can we get some good habits in? Absolutely. I think making a, a little inventory, some awareness on what do you, what has kind of fallen away this year and what do you want to bring back? And I love your point, Eric, about like, it's almost like we had too many choices or too much time. So nothing happens. So if you are finding that that's what you're struggling with, then using your calendar, Mary and I talk all the time about scheduling yourself and scheduling all of these things we're talking about down to meditation, down to journaling, definitely scheduling your workout, scheduling that connection time, using these tools that we have in front of us all the time to really work for us in building those habits and allowing yourself then to choose at one point and have it be there for you. Because building that habit is so important because then ultimately when you have a habit, you don't have to spend time and energy deciding what you're going to do. You know, you're going to work out. So what workout are you going to do? You know, you're going to eat healthy. So what are you going to have? You know, so when you make the habit and then the decision becomes so much more easy and it's so much easier to make it happen. So I would say with having so many options, getting down to understanding like the routine piece and the habit piece can be different. The routine may not look the same and the routine is constantly changing because Whatever season we're in right now wasn't the season we were in over the past year, isn't going to be the season we're in in a year. So what season are you in right now? And what does your workout look like right now? What season are you in right now? And what does, you know, healthy eating look like to you right now? And then realizing that the routine doesn't have the power. You have the power. But once you decide that you're going to do it, you can be a little flexible with how it happens. You just have to commit to that initial decision and building that habit of what it is. And then being more flexible than, you know, than your situation. And so I think when it comes to reestablishing things, it's like, what do I know I want to do? What feels good to me? What's going to work for me right now? I'm not trying to figure out the perfect thing for forever. I'm trying to figure out what's going to make this happen now. And then plan for change, right? Plan A, plan B, have another option. Understand that it's probably going to change. And if you're committed to the actual action or the actual habit, then you can make it happen by being more flexible. So if I hear you right, it's almost changing the default and the the choice mechanism by saying, oh, it's not will I work out? It's I am going to work out. And then the choice then becomes now it still can be, you know, it still could be a choice that can be difficult for some people to figure out, well, how am I going to work out? But at least you got past the first hurdle of deciding I'm going to do something right. Yes. We spend so much energy thinking, should I, should I eat healthy? Should I work out? And it's like, Oh, I could, but what about this? But what about this? That alone is such a drain and a suck. If it's like, I know I'm going to work out, 
when, oh, I can show up at this class. That's one decision. If I go to a class, that's something helpful. I can get some connection. All I have to do is get to the class and then I'll just do whatever they tell me. So that I think now that we have Pelotons and we have options for virtual classes, all you have to do is get on that bike and then it will tell you what to do. All you have to do is show up at the, at the door. All you have to do is show up at the park and then, you know, whether you go 20 minutes, 40 minutes, let that happen to be what it is. But just that first step of showing up is what you need to focus on to build the habit. And then the rest will come. It will, it will come because, you know, the showing up piece is the hardest thing. Yeah. And, and that's just, this is almost a, you know, getting past that. We, we've got all this head knowledge. I mean, we talked all about earlier, we talked out about all these different aspects of brain health when it comes to how sleep affects it and energy, nutrition. Again, I can list them off. I won't, but all of those different things and hearing and even hearing all of those different, oh man, there's so many different ways I've got to get healthy. We've got this head knowledge of it. And and we even know based on past routines that have worked in different situations, we, we know what can work, but we have to get past that to the actual doing of it. Exactly. Right. So right. Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. And some of the habit books suggest, you know, do it for two minutes just say, all I'm going to do is two minutes, you know, because a lot of times you'll start and you'll be like, okay, I can do five or 10, you know, fine, you know, so just, you know, you commit to really small gains and then you, you just celebrate. Yes, I did it. If you haven't worked out in a year, do two minutes of a stretch. Look, I, now I work out and you have to be careful about your identity. Like I, I work out, I, I'm a workout kind of person. You know, this is what I do. I eat healthy. You know, this is, you have to identify with the behavior. So you'd want to, even if it's a bit of a brain trick, it's fine. Trick it. It's fine. You know, just say, this is what I do. I exercise. I take care of myself. I make it a priority. There was a recent episode where we talked about streaking where, and not in that way, but in the way of (laughs) maintaining a streak of activity. And and they suggested making something very small, the goal, and then just doing that repeatedly day after day after day. And it builds up that momentum. And so yes. that that's another place to, I think, start here. Uh, one other thing that I think would be really helpful, though, in terms of small, incremental, quick wins is, again, I mentioned all these different aspects of brain health and other uh, health items that f- all feed into each other. But that can be overwhelming. So do you have a suggestion of where in this spectrum maybe we are some of the best places to start? Yeah, I would say we always say that with awareness. So we have a framework that we like to teach in workshops and in our course. That's the CLE. We're from Cleveland, Ohio. So CLE represents us. And it's that connection, lifestyle habits and emotional processing are the three major things in the framework. So reviewing, doing a little audit of your own life. Like, where are you in connection? Are you feeling really connected? If yes, then amazing. Keep that going. Celebrate that. Move on. Where are you in a, now? Lifestyle habits is a big one, right? That includes the sleep, it includes the alcohol, includes the nutrition, includes the exercise. So this is a loaded area. But again, having that evaluation, where are you? You're trying to get started. Some things are already going well, I'm sure. So where can you celebrate that? And where can you notice, like, ooh, there's a big space? And then once you find that space, once you find like this could use a lot of improvement. Emotional processing is the third area, which we often find people do need some help with. And then there's a lot of ways to do that. But when you find that space, asking yourself, are you a person that's going to want like a big bang? Like, 
I am going to commit to like not eating French fries anymore, or I'm going to commit to this, or are you a person that is going to be much easier to go for some low hanging fruit? I'm going to start drinking water. I'm going to scoop my bedtime up 15 minutes. I'm going to do. So that again is really dependent on who you are and what type of person you are and where you are in your life right now. So I think asking yourself first, where do I need to put some time and energy according to this CLE, according to these things that I know matter so much? And then am I going to go for that low hanging fruit or am I going to go for that big bang? What's going to have the most sustainable lasting impact right now? Not the thing I can, you know, start and then stop, but the thing that's going to be able to stick with me and what type of person am I? And that it's really dependent on who you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's a great way. I, I mean, stopping and pausing and taking an inventory is is a really good place to land here, I think, in terms of initial steps. And, and hopefully we've already got some of these things in some kind of a healthier state than they used to be. So and I, and I know that's true for me and I'm hoping that that's true for others. But what I'd like to do here is after they've done these initial steps and want to further their journey in terms of brain health and all these other aspects of brain health that are connected is to direct them to what you are both working on and they can connect with you and what you do in terms of, you know, diving deeper into this. Yeah. Like we have a resiliency course that's online that people could jump into right now because it's a learnable skill, but it's been, you know, very clear this year that it's, it's an important skill to, because we we really don't know what's coming next. I mean, there's always an uncertainty to life. You know the how they say the only certainty is change. So we've we've gotten really good this year, or hopefully we've gotten we practice on learning to accept changes, kind of week to week, day to day, second to second. So there is a resiliency course they can jump into. They can find us on brainopsgroup.com or on LinkedIn, and and you know we try to you know I share the literature and uh, share some resources. So we'd love to support folks. Absolutely, yes. Great. I will make sure to link up to all of that in the show notes for people to dive a little bit deeper into this. Mary and Allie, I, I'm just so thankful to be able to talk about this with somebody. This is, I'm trying, I'm almost doing a reset, you know, healthy reset kind of a come out of the pandemic healthier kind of a stage here with the show. And I'm glad to have you be part of it. Wow. Thank we're you honored. So much. Yeah. We love what you're putting out there and just your message that you're bringing to everyone so much value. So thank you. Yes. I agree. Well, that's another episode crossed off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Mary Renzel and Allie Hively. There was a lot in this episode in terms of brain function, brain optimization, sleep, meditation, physical health, nutrition, exercise, all of that. But I hope you found this episode helpful and this conversation enlightening towards some area of that spectrum of health that will help your brain function better so that all of you functions better because that's really what it comes down to. If you found this show helpful, would you do me a favor of sharing it with somebody that needs to hear it? Hit that share button in your podcast player app of choice or hit the share button over on the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com. Thanks again for sharing. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next episode.